Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855 8, 8 AM, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Rebecca and from the Brainwaves team today we have Lauren and Terry. This week we're joined by Alex Mills, coordinator of the Opening Doors Community Leadership Program. Alex believes strongly in the strengths-based approach, which, which means every individual has talents, gifts and passions to share with their community. Opening Doors is a program which is built on these principles. So today Alex will be talking about what Opening Doors is and how we got involved. Thanks for coming on the show today, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Alex. Um, can you tell us where the Opening Doors program is operating in, in Melbourne at the moment? Sure. So at the moment, we're focused on Melbourne's inner east. So that's council areas of Burundara, Manningham, Whitehorse and Monash. Um, or to put it another way, kind of from Hawthorne all the way down to Clayton and back out to Doncaster. OK, thanks. And can you tell us um, what the program, the leadership program is about? Yeah, absolutely. So the the program came about uh, sort of mid 2000s. There was a a lot of health organisations were kind of starting to recognise that social isolation was a big issue in communities, but there wasn't a great deal known at the time of what the impact of that was. So a bunch of research was done, and what they actually found was that being socially isolated is can be roughly compared to smoking a packet of cigarettes a day, uh, consuming six standard drinks. So huge impact on on health and well, especially mental health. Um, so that was a bit of an alarm bell. And then the question sort of emerged of, so what, what do we do about that? And there's kind of the old school thinking of, well, we'll send organizations in and get them to fix communities and throw a bunch of money and then leave. And of course, not, not much ever changed. So the approach that this program adopted was to say, we can affect much deeper and more powerful change in communities. Um, if we empower leaders from within those communities to act on things that they're passionate about. So so that was sort of where the model uh, came from. Hmm. And how did you get involved in the program originally? Um, my, my path into it was kind of a strange one. Um, I was uh, volunteering, uh, well, first of all, let me take a step back. Um, in, in my early 20s, I was managing a record store. Um, yeah, dream job, first pick of all the vinyl, awesome. Um, <laughs> And then, oh, I probably shouldn't say that. No, no, that's all right. Yeah, that outlet, yeah. Um, (laughs) So I was there for around five years, and then one day um, just had a really confronting experience. I just sort of started to shake really violently. I had no idea what was going on. Um, Had to lock up the store and and called my mum, as was my first instinct. And she said, oh, it sounds like you've had a panic attack. Um, So I went to the doctor, and he said, yeah, that's true. And I tried to keep working for a little bit and basically had to quit and so ended up about three years not being able to work because of my anxiety um and through that I ended up getting involved in some volunteering sort of as a way to get get back involved in community um so I was volunteering at a local neighborhood house doing emergency food relief and somebody put a flyer for this program in front of me and I thought oh god that's and I, I still remember going to the first day of the program and kind of my anxiety brain going oh, I'll just stay for five minutes and then quietly leave and and all that sort of stuff but um in the end the program turned out to be quite life-changing for me and then a year later the opportunity came up to coordinate it so 
yeah, so that's that's kind of how I got involved. Mm. Can can you tell us um, a little bit more about uh, the program that you got involved in, the training you did, and then uh, what leadership program you took up in your community? Yeah, absolutely. So with with I suppose there's two focuses to to opening doors. The first is developing people's um, leadership capacity, and the second is supporting them to develop some sort of project in their community. So when I did the program, I was obviously really passionate about mental health, um, particularly, I suppose, from my own experience of anxiety. Um, but through my volunteer work, I was also encountering a lot of men um, at the neighbourhood centre who some were widows, um, others uh, might be guys living by themselves. And I just kept on hearing this stuff about not quite maybe knowing how to cook a healthy meal or just those kind of basics of, of cooking. Um, I can relate to that. I'm a horrible cook. So, um, so talking to those guys, the, the idea sort of came up, maybe we can set up a men's kitchen. So that was the project um, that I started through Opening Doors. I think we had about 15 to 20 guys coming down um, every fortnight and just learning, you know, those kind of basics of cooking, but also, you know, connecting with each other and, um, and getting a better sense of connection to their community too. Mm, fantastic. Is that program still ongoing or um, has it taken up? been taken up somewhere else? Sadly not. It, it, it ran for about a year um, and I think at that point there were, you know, funding challenges, joys of joys of community. Um, but, it, you know, at the end of it, a lot of those guys were really, really well connected to each other um, mm. and to the neighbourhood house as well. So, you know, I'd like to think there was some sort of good good long-term benefits mm. there, yeah. So if somebody joins into the Opening Doors program, what sort of things do they expect to do over the course? Yeah, so it's a six-month program. Um, it opens with a three-day retreat at a really beautiful uh, location in the Plenty Valley. And that's sort of about, you know, because effectively, and I think that was maybe one of the things I found so anxiety-provoking is you, you're effectively rocking up at this retreat, 20 complete strangers. Um, but what we find is that you bring people together who have that shared passion for creating inclusive communities. And people just click and, and, you know, within half a day of my experience, I was, the anxiety was gone and I was loving it. So, uh, so yeah, so there's those three days, which is sort of about getting to know each other and working out what people want to achieve through the program. And then from there, there's around 11 full day sessions that occur fortnightly. And we look at everything from um, the, what we call the asset based approach to community development. So looking at the strengths in communities rather than all the challenges and problems. Uh, we then look at project management, how to write a grant application. Public speaking is always one that people, yeah, people simultaneously say they want to do more of, but are also terrified of. So we spend a bit of time looking at that. <clears throat> Pardon me. And how to promote community projects. And, and a lot of that sort of, you know, it's essentially a go to woe of you want to start a project in your community. How do you get it up and running and make sure it's successful? Hmm. And what are some of the projects that you're currently running? Oh, they're really diverse. Um, a lot of the time, the projects are sort of informed by the passions of the participants. Um, so, you know, we had a participant last year who was an asylum seeker, uh, came by boat, and one of his first experiences that was really positive for him was going to a welcome dinner um, event. So through the program, he created uh, a diversity dinner in Burundara that was actually just held on Harmony Day last week. They had over 100 people. Um, it was amazing. Um, one of your fellow hosts here at 3CR, Sally Goldner, um, has done the program too, and she 
with a fellow participant set up Victoria's first peer support group for the family and friends of young people who might be gender questioning or, or considering transitioning. Um, we've had two new universities of the third age come out of the program, um, groups focusing on empowering women who might have experienced family violence, um, another similar project using theatre to tell stories of harm from problem gambling. So you see, I, I feel like I'm sort of waffling on, but it's... The, the oh, it's fascinating. Fascinating. Really diverse mm. outcomes. Um, and, and of course, one of the projects to come out was a woman you had on Brainwaves just last year, um, Emma Finch, who started the Black Dog Community Art Exhibition, um, mm. which has just been a huge success. Fantastic. And um, I thought I heard something about another program of someone with a vision impairment. Was that the one that you were talking about that had the dinner last week or was that an, another story? I thought it was amazing. Yes. A refugee from Iran. From Iran, yeah. yeah. So he, he uh, uh, vision impaired from, from around eight years old, um, uh, came here by boat, um, spent some time in detention and then ultimately came out and just said, I want to contribute as much back to my new home as I can. So he was an incredible participant in the program. Um, in fact, there's a, I don't know if we've got time, there's a really beautiful story relating to that. Um, I, yeah. think, I think it's relevant. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Um, so when um, this participant uh, came to the interview, obviously didn't know anybody, and there was a, a woman sitting next to him um, who they just started talking. And there's a part of the interview process that's a bit visual. Um, so we checked in with him and he said, yeah, yeah I want to do it. And she said, oh, I'll walk you through it. And through that, they, she ended up then offering him a lift home from the interview and they struck up a great friendship. And they were the two that actually partnered on this diversity dinner um, just last week. So there was something really powerful for me about seeing even at the interview stage of the program, you can bring people together and when they've got a shared passion, um, just, yeah, amazing things happen. Mm. So um, the programs, I think the, the first base is about including groups who might not be included in community in other ways. Mm. Um, so how did you go about the pro publicising the program to get a wide range of applicants? That's a great question. I, I think you're right. I think one of the strengths of it is really we, we'll have people in the program who might be really new to community work and we'll have people who've been volunteering for, you know, 50 years. Um, but a real focus for us is maybe trying to connect with some of those leaders who might be more difficult to reach otherwise. So we do a lot of the standard things like uh, promote through email and through uh, libraries and community oh, houses. Yeah. 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 But we also have worked really hard to build up some good relationships with leaders in different communities. So... Um, there's a wonderful uh, organisation led by Muslim women called Benevolence Australia, who we've had a partnership with for the past three or four years and had some sort of consistent leaders coming through from there. In, in your um, inner east area? or yeah, yeah, yeah. So Benevolence is based in Doncaster. All right. Um, they, they do incredible work. So, you know, and then there's a, a Sikh temple in Blackburn, Gurdwara. We've, we've had a few leaders through... So I think over the nine-year history of the program, we've sort of built up those relationships so that we can connect into those community groups that might be a bit harder to, to reach sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Alex, can you tell us about why uh, social inclusion is so important in our communities? Uh, it's a great question. Um, 
I think for me, it's one of those issues that cuts across so many different lived experiences and backgrounds. You know, if you think about, uh, you know, people who've come to Australia to call it their new home, that they're at risk of social isolation. If, you know, like I guess my experience of, of anxiety, um, I felt that that kind of ping of isolation a little bit as well. Um, you know, every, every almost every participant we've had through the program has has a story or some connection to, to those feelings of isolation. And when you compare it to, as we were talking about earlier, the actual health impacts of, of being socially isolated, um, it's a huge, it's, it's arguably one of the biggest issues, I think, um, facing our community and particularly not to get too political, but if we look at some of the things that are happening in the world at the moment, there's, you know, prejudice, I think we could definitely say is rising, particularly um, against certain groups. And, you know, those notions of feeling connected to your community, that feeling that you belong, that you're valued, and also just that you're not necessarily a problem to be solved, I think. Um, I know quite often the conversations we have about uh, whether it's mental illness or, or disability, um, areas with amazing advocates, it's, it's always framed in terms of this problem. Whereas um, for me, the, the real power of social inclusion is looking at what are the talents and the gifts and the passions that people have that they can offer. And, you know, sure enough, um, no, even in the most, you know, um, even in situations where people have experienced quite profound stigma, those, those talents and those gifts are always there. Mm. So I think, I think that's the real importance of it. Yeah, and so what sort of things can people expect to get out from the program? Um, I think one of the real strengths of the program is we try really hard to tailor it to what, what do people want to get out of it. Mm. So some people will come to the program um, with a really clear idea for a project. Um, so I mentioned uh, Sally before and, and the work in the transgender community. Um, she partnered with a woman who had a, a daughter who gender transitioned and she had this idea for this support group in her head for 16 years. It had just kind of been rolling around in there. Um, so she came to the program and we were able to support her to set that up. Um, other people might already be leading in very tangible ways in their community and they just want to broaden their networks or maybe there's an area, like I said before, public speaking, they want to brush up on a little bit. Um, other people quite often just come to the program with a passion. So they might have a passion for food or for soccer or, um, you know, have a lived experience of, of family violence and they're passionate about that. And then it's a process of how do we turn that passion into into something tangible uh, that can really benefit the community. Yeah. And you were saying that you had that sense of maybe social isolation when you had an experience of anxiety some time ago. Mm. Can you tell us about um, how you dealt with that experience and how you moved through it? Sure. I, I was sort of reflecting as we were coming on the air today how much things have changed uh, since then, I, th I think I think there's still a long way to go, but I'd like to think maybe that visibility of and discussion around mental illness is a bit better than it was ten years ago when when I went through it. Um, so I, I had no idea what an anxiety disorder even was. Um, and what was interesting for me was once I started talking to people about it, which was hard because there's always that fear that people won't understand and mm. and the stigma. But you know, my dad had a an experience of it and my mum had an experience of it and other friends came forward and I was just it was really amazing to me to think wow there's all these people in my life who've had this experience that's quite similar to mine 
um, and yet it's not something that was talked about. Um, so that made a huge difference for me. But I do often think about the fact that if I hadn't had such supportive parents and I wasn't lucky to have such supportive friends, it's it wouldn't have taken much for me to end up, you know, completely isolated, not being able to work, um, you know, if I couldn't, you know, I was living with my parents at the time. So all those things. So I, it made me realise how close I came to kind of being in that, in that really, really difficult um, situation. So, um, but it, in a strange way, I kind of look back now and think, I don't know if thankful is the right word, but there's a gratitude there for having lived through that experience. Because if it wasn't for that, I might not have ended up you know, getting into to what I'm doing now. I might not have discovered this program. It might not have had that kind of life-changing impact on me. So, yeah, trying to find the positives in, in all of that, I think. Fantastic. And it means you'd be able to lead other people who may have their own journeys uh, of dealing with anxiety. It's really interesting. We, um, every year the, the conversation will come up and whether it's me sharing a little bit of my own experience, then other people will sort of put their hand up as well. Um, you know, a couple of uh, stories come to mind. We had a participant who had um, bipolar um, who ended up running a men's shed uh, for a couple of years, did an amazing job. And through him being willing to share his experience, everyone in the group got this exposed to it on a human level and, you know, kind of challenging all of those myths and those stereotypes and stigmas around bipolar. Um, and... We've also, uh, there was an experience at the retreat this year, which really moved me, where we had a participant who declared that she was on a recovery journey. She'd been, uh, I think, 15 or so months clean after 26 years of quite quite heavy substance abuse. And then there was another participant who then felt that he could share that. And so even though that isn't the explicit focus of the program, there's something that really incredible that happens when you put people together in a space that they feel safe in, where they've got that common and shared purpose. So um, I know I've learnt so much from all the participants who have been through the program um, from their experiences, more than, more than they've probably ever learnt from me, I'd suggest, quietly. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so if, um, if people want to get involved in the program, what's sort of the application process like? Sure. So we're just about to start um, recruiting for this year's program. Um, basically, there's an application form um, which will pop up on the website, mm -hmm. I believe, hopefully after the show and pop a link in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's yeah. The, um, and the website is, I have it here somewhere. So this, I knew you were going to ask that. So <laughs> our website is in a glorious state of redevelopment at the moment. So <laughs> we've got a Facebook page. If you search for Opening Doors Leadership, um, or you can shoot me an email if you want me to share the email address, which yeah. is amills at linkhc.org.au. Um, alternatively, if you search for Link Health and Community online, which is where we're currently based, um, you can get in touch with us that way. Um, so it's a really simple application form, and then there's a group interview process, and it's not like one of those awful ones <laughs> that, you, <laughs> that you see on TV that's really anxiety-provoking. Um, it's really informal and relaxed, and it's an opportunity for some of the participants to meet each other ahead of the program, discuss what they're passionate about, and, and yeah, so we accept around 20 uh, participants each year. Mm. And yeah. we'll make sure that all those links and information are up on our podcast page as well, 3cr.org.au slash brainwaves. 
And um, I think we might have time for one more question. Yeah, of course. Just in terms of this fabulous program, three days retreat and then six months, one day a fortnight, with all sorts of interesting aspects to it, is there a, a team of you leading that group or is it all down to you? Or <laughs> ha- how does that work out? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, so... so a lot of it does fall down to my role, but one of the things that's really exciting over the past couple of years is we've now got, God, like 137 graduates from this program, um, and a lot of them are still really, really engaged. So we've got this alumni group now um, who want to organise events, uh, set up a mentoring program, support the new participants as they come through. So I often think of it as just kind of this really big, diverse family of people who even if they've never met before, you know, they connect and they've been through the same program and just some, some really incredible things happen there. So that's something we want to see more of. And it's, you know, this will be our ninth year. By the end of this year, we'll have close to 160 graduates. So, you know, I think the next step is thinking about if we want to maybe expand the program to different areas and, and where we could take it in that, in that direction. Fantastic, Alex. Thank you so much. You can find out more about the Opening Doors Leadership Program on their Facebook page or contact Alex on... Uh, 8822 8327 or, as I mentioned earlier, it's A-M-I-L-L-S at linkhc.org.au. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, Alex, so much for coming on the show today and and sharing about Open opening doors I think it's very insightful to us because we've never really talked about it before Um, so you can find more of our shows on our website brainwaves.org.au or on the 3CR website 3cr.org.au or on iTunes feel free to send us feedback or suggestions for shows via email at brainwaves at wellways.org next week on the show we'll be talking to Nikki Wall about her lived experience of bipolar disorder in conjunction with World Bipolar Day Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5 for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.